Good morning, everyone. Please make your way into the sanctuary. Sit close to the front. Don't be shy. Welcome here. We're maybe not quite at the point where we'll shake everyone's hands, depending on how comfortable people are with close contact, but I'm sure looking around and giving people a smile and a wave is always appreciated. So maybe you can talk to some new faces today. Awesome. Please stand as we sing Hosanna, Praises Rising. Welcome here. It's a beautiful spring day. Nice to see everybody. I'll be reading the call to worship from Psalm 105, verses 1 to 7. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles and find that, feel free. Psalm 105, 1 to 7. I'll be reading the New International Version. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. 
Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence, for your love, for your spirit with us. Thank you for creation. We thank you for each other. And we thank you for this community where we can remind each other that we are children of God um, and that we can be your, your presence in this world and to each other. Um, and we pray that as we sing and listen and worship this morning that you would teach us and guide us and that that would carry us through um, the rest of the week as well. That it wouldn't be just a one morning, one day thing, but that we would continue remembering and continue living out your truth um, during the rest of the week. Amen. Let's sing The Lion and the Lamb. Chain will break. 
This next song is both old and new. I remember singing it in youth about 10 years ago, but haven't sung it much since then. So it might be familiar or it might be new, depending on the era of singing that you were a part of. So it's called Stronger, and feel free to just listen for a while if you need to just kind of get the words and the, and the tune. Um, but feel free also to join as soon as you're able to. So please stand and let's sing Stronger together.
please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 49. Luke 24, 44 to 49. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you, you have been clothed with power from on high. Our cup runneth over and over for now. 
shepherd we shall not want in valley or pasture we shall not want our cup runneth over and over for now and forever for now and forever for now and forever for now and forever oh blessed are the poor Let's bow now and send the little ones off to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the children in our congregation. God, we pray that now as they go to Children's Church, it will be a wonderful time of learning about you. We pray also for the teacher, give them the words to say. Lord, we pray that they have a wonderful time. In your name, amen. All right, down the hall, that way. If you have your bulletins on you, now's the time to take them out. Uh, If you look at the things that are going on this week, Wednesday, 7 p.m., prayer meeting at the church, 7.30, Bible study at Dawson and Bethany's house, Uh, then 9.45, Sunday Sunday school next week. Uh, Skip down to the bottom, May 29th, that's coming up soon, National Day of Prayer for Camps. In line with that, May 22nd, which is next Sunday, we're going to have Dan Ingram from Circle Square coming to share with us, so I'm excited to hear him. He has spoken a number of times, but every last one, there happened to be a lockdown that came about the week before he came. So now we're actually going to see him in person, it's going to be great. Uh, Next, June 5th, the Gospel Music Afternoon in memory of George Rogers. That's at 2 p.m. Make sure to mark that down on your calendar. It'll be wonderful to finally celebrate uh, George's life together. Uh, June 5th, there is also going to be the YFC Redemption Ride. Uh, Registration for that is at 12 p.m. at the Polaris Honda dealership. If you have yourself a motorcycle, that is the place to go. Uh, Also, later, uh, when everyone gets there, there is going to be a barbecue at the co-op parking lot in Gladstone of the Home Center. Uh, It is going to be a good time, so mark that down as well. Uh, I just received word that on June 12th at the Sunday School Picnic, Bilal and Fatima are going to be coming out. Uh, So it'll be wonderful to finally meet them and the full family as well. So June 12th, mark that down for the Sunday School Picnic. And the McGregor Interdenominational Community Service is going to be on June 26th. We just 
confirmed the speaker. It's going to be Tyson Murray. So uh, make sure to come out and hear uh, him speak there as well. He's also going to be here the week before. So he is going to be introduced to every corner of our town. And I am excited to see what he is going to do when he starts up at YFC in the fall. Then let's go into a time of prayer. First thing on there, the EMC is looking for a new conference pastor. Uh, Leighton has given his notice. He's going to be transitioning into a new role at SBC as the academic dean there. Uh, And so we want to pray that whoever the right person for the job comes forward, that God speaks to them, and that it'll be a wonderful time with uh, the new person to come. Uh, And also we want to pray for that transition period as well. Uh, Travis and Rosie, they left uh, back on Wednesday, and they are now home in Paraguay. So we want to pray for them as they transition back into their wonderful ministry there. And finally, camp ministry as they are getting into the very busy season. We want to make sure to start our prayers already. And so let's go now into a time of prayer. Dear God, we come before you this morning. We come before you this morning first in praise, first in praise for Travis and Rosie, and we thank you so very much that they could spend all of that time out here with us. Lord, we thank you for all that they have shared about what it is that they are doing, the time that they have shared building relationships with us and just that we could see their faces again. And now, God, as they are back home in Paraguay, we pray for their ministry there. We pray, set a new fire in Travis and Rosie, the family, as well as their entire congregation and the area around them as well, as well as the camp ministry that they are doing such wonderful things through. Lord, we pray, be with them, and we look forward so very much to hearing the wonderful things you will be doing there. God, also, while we pray a word of praise, we want to thank you for Leighton. Lord, we thank you for the things that he has done as the conference pastor over these years. We thank you that he has taken on a time that was a very difficult one, and yet he made it his own. And so, Lord, we pray that you bless him in his new position as the academic dean at SBC. Lord, we pray that you bless the institution through him as well, that he will be able to do his part to build your kingdom through their ministry. And now as we look for a new conference pastor in in the EMC, Lord, we pray that you tap the shoulder of whoever it is that should be the next one. Lord, we pray that as they come forward, you will work through them to further your kingdom in ways we never before saw possible and we all see as amazing as the type of thing only you can do. Lord, this we pray. And God, we also want to pray a big thank you for our camp ministries as well. As they now look to rev up for the summer, for what is to come, for what looks like the first summer in a long time where things can operate as they once did. Lord, we pray that through the camp ministries of this area, in this province, in this country, your face is shown 
to a new generation, that you light that hunger in them. And God, for all of the many people that are involved, either in management or camp leader or cabin leader, Lord, we pray a blessing on them too. They do good work. And so in what they do, Lord, please let your face shine through. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, our passage today is Luke 24, 44 to 49. If you have your Bible still out. And we see as we begin our passage that after proving to the world, and more specifically to his apostles, that he has indeed, has indeed risen from the dead. He is not a ghost, as we went over last week. Uh, that Jesus then says to his apostles, that this is what I told you while I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. This passage, it's a foundational one for the church. It's called the Great Commission. You probably all heard that before because it's Jesus commissioning his apostles to go out to the corners of the earth to tell them what has happened, to tell the world about who he is, to tell the world about what he has done, to build the kingdom that he has been preaching about and we have been hearing about for so long, the kingdom that will see the low risen up, that will see God on the throne over all. This passage exists in some form in all of the Gospels as well as at the beginning of Acts, but likely the version that we're most familiar with is the one that you find in the book of Matthew. There in chapter 28, Jesus tells the apostles that they are to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. In Luke's telling of the Great Commission, though, we find a much more passive wording, a much more passive presentation. Matthew is pretty much just pointing the finger straight at our soul, yelling at us, just get out there, get this done. But Luke, he's much more laid back about how he tells us the Great Commission. He's much more big picture about it, and we're going to get to what I mean about that in just a bit. But as we now move into our passion into our passage. I just, I love how it starts. It starts with Jesus giving to the apostles a repeat of what he did, uh, what we talked about two weeks ago on the road to Emmaus, when they look to the scriptures, that is the Old Testament, those are the scriptures they have, and they look to the scriptures, and from it, Christ reveals fully to his apostles just who he is and what he has done. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms is what Jesus says. Putting this statement right before he tells them to go out and share this news makes it read like Jesus is telling us that if you want the world to know who our Lord is, then this is where you need to start. You need to start in the scriptures. You need to start in the Old Testament because Unless you start there, 
when you're trying to figure out what the gospel message is, unless you start there right at the beginning, then you're not going to get the whole story. You won't get the whole picture of why Jesus Christ is important and why what he did changes everything. If you're going to go out into the world and make believers of all the nations, as the Great Commission tells us to, then first you need to know who our Messiah is. And to learn that, you need to begin at the beginning. Our passage continues. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And there again, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Verse 45, that is very similar to how it is worded on the road to Emmaus, where Jesus showed those two disciples of his who he was and how he fulfilled scriptures. Their eyes were opened when they saw him. And as Jesus begins to now open the eyes of the apostles, in verse 46 we read that he says, this is what is written. You're going to be very hard-pressed to find any passage where what Christ says next is actually written down. But that's not really the point he's making either. When we are told that all of the scriptures point to Jesus, it is not just that there are cherry-picked verses here and there, snippets that mention him, if only you just squint hard enough at the words on the page. No, it's better than that. No, it's bigger than that. It's more than that. It is instead that if you take all of the books of the law, when you take all of the Psalms, when you take all of the prophets, when you take all of the narratives, when you take all of Scripture, that is when you see how everything only points in one direction, how everything points to Jesus. And as I said, you can see that straight from the beginning, straight on page one of Genesis. For there we see the world created by our God who said that what he made was good and that he loved it. And together with human beings in his creation, we are told that God walked and things were as they should be. But then the story goes on. Genesis 3, the fall happens, and all creation becomes shot through with sin, all because we tried to be gods ourselves. Sin then brought death into the world, and things became less than what they ought to be. Now things were in the process of continually breaking, and we, people to this day, we still feel this scourge, we still feel this sin, we still know this death, and because of it, all too often we have lost hope in the world, and we have lost hope in the future ahead of us as well. Things seem bleak. But even now, when God looks at his creation, though it is fallen, 
there is still love there. God still sees the creation that he made as fundamentally worth saving, as fundamentally valuable. And so God began to work to save us from the fall. He began to work toward the day when he would walk with us again as he once did. And here you can already start to see that arrow pointing to Christ's birth. For in creation we see a God who loves what he has made and wants to be in it walking together with the people he breathed life into. And we also begin to see that arrow pointing to the life and the mission of Jesus as well. For as he lived and as he preached, he never stops sharing about his heavenly Father who loves us and loves his creation as well. John 3.16 comes readily to mind. But it's here where we encounter a big problem because in the fall, we human beings, we took up this nasty habit, you could say, of pushing God away, of turning our eyes away from him. And as such, God's reaching out to us wasn't going to just be simple. It was like, even though God has his hand outstretched to us constantly, we simply just choose not to see it. That is what sin does. And so if God was going to reach out to us, he was going to need to do that through something that we could see, something that we could make sense of, something that we could recognize, that we could understand. How about a family? A family like we all have, so we're all able to make some amount of sense of it. God would work through a family. He would reach out to them, and in that relationship, he would also reach through them to the rest of creation as well. They would be his mouthpiece. Through them will be how the world will come to see what they cannot now see, like how we cannot see the wind, but at the same time, we can feel it affecting everything as it flows. And so God goes to a family. And over the generations of that family, he walks with them. He moves through them. And over time, they come to know who he is more completely and fully. And those around them come to see this God more completely and fully as a result. He rescues them from the persecution they find themselves in, showing them his love and through that, us, his love. He gives them the law to live by, laws that guide the way people in that time, in that place, should live in order to show those around them who their God is and how human beings and the rest of creation should exist together in a world where sin has no power. And now, as we are looking through the books of the law, as we are to the end of them, we can see another arrow pointing to Christ's mission and the form that it is going to take as progressively fulfilling the law. Always steeped in prayer, Jesus is. Always drawing people to the Father. Always showing others how living in a way that follows him is 
living as people that are following the law perfectly is living a life where the power of sin is broken. But then time goes on again for the family that God is reaching out to, out through, and they drift away from one another, and they drift away from God. And as the years pass, they enter into this cycle of growing closer to their creator and then farther, then closer, then farther. And all the while, God never stops reaching out to this family, out through this family, but how those around them see God, that goes in and out of focus just as they do. Until finally the people fall so far from God that there was no seeing him through what they were doing at all. They had forgotten the law. They had let sin fully re-enter their midst in how they treated one another and how they treated the Lord. They had chosen to step on those that were the least among them, and yet they still claimed to speak for the Creator in all things. And that is a sin that cannot stand. But God sent many prophets to warn the people to turn back and away from what they were doing, and each prophet that was sent was disregarded, discredited, or worse. And so it was that the mighty kingdoms that this family had become fell into ruin, and they soon found themselves in captivity again. And so we arrive to the end of 2 Kings. And suddenly we can see the arrow pointing to the passion and death of Jesus. For though he was spotless and though he was blameless, the world around him that he sought with all that he was to reach out to was not. But yet we were still convinced that we were the ones that were living Rightly, even though our boots were on the backs of those around them, pushing them into the mud just to lift ourselves an inch higher. We show the wicked claiming to speak for God the real thing. That leads to a bad end. But even while the people were in exile for what had happened, God did not stop reaching out to this family, nor to the rest of the world through them. And as they lived as strangers in a strange land, they came to refocus on their God, and their love for him grew again from a wisp of smoke into a spark and finally into a raging inferno. And then one day, after decades in chains, we read that God finally saves his family from captivity, saves them, and then what's more, even leads them back to their home in Jerusalem. And it is from there where their voices are raised high, praising God's name. It is from there when all of the people around them will hear. These are the people of Israel. This is the family through whom God chose to reach out to tell the world that though creation has fallen, it is still here. He is still here. He's never stopped 
being with us, and through him soon, things will be set right. All creation will be redeemed. All will be made even better than it was to begin. And with that message, the Old Testament draws to a close. We can see two more arrows in it, though. One pointing to the resurrection and from it to the church who will spread the news of who our God is out to all of the nations. And the second pointing is also to Jerusalem, the home city of the family Israel, where the first pillars of God's kingdom will with Christ be built. That is the story that the Old Testament tells us. This is the story that the eyes of the apostles were open to. This is the story that points to Jesus Christ, who is God himself, born to this family Israel, to live out this history and this mission, and in doing so, reach all creation in a way that we can finally fully understand, so that we can know that by believing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and by following him, we can finally, after all this time, see the hand of God, which has never stopped reaching out for us, and grab hold to it. Through Christ, who all Scripture has pointed to, has now come, and though we now see the hand of God reaching out to us as never before. The Old Testament, its story is nevertheless not quite done. One thing remains, and it is how the story ends. And here is where I told you to note how passive and big picture Luke's telling of the Great Commission is. For Luke, that one day we will all bow before God, that is a foregone conclusion in how he tells the Great Commission. You don't need to spend long in the Psalms or with the prophets to see that this ending too is foretold just as Christ's coming was. So if in Jesus we have seen all the rest of Scripture play out, we have seen God become human so he can walk with us again, we have seen Israel fulfill her purpose in reaching out to the nations through what Jesus Christ did and does, then now all that is left in the story is for the world to know and to react to this great news accordingly. For the kingdom of God to come that will see those low lifted high, that will see the Lord rule. This is how we are told the Great Commission in the book of Luke, not as simply a command to go out there and to preach the gospel, but instead we are told it as if it's already a done deal, what will come, and it is just in the process of coming. The good news will go out from Jerusalem to all the world. Jesus is letting his apostles know. You can trust that it will happen because Scripture has foretold it and has been absolutely and wonderfully right in everything it has foretold so far. And our passage concludes. Your witnesses of those things, 
I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. That one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. That Luke wants us to know will come. That one day sin will be no more and death will be done away with. That Jesus wants us to know will happen. And we know this because everything else that has been foretold in Scripture has come to pass. And this end is also foretold. And that we know this is going to happen beyond a shadow of a doubt, you would kind of think. That that would mean that the jobs of the apostles would be, in a way, easier than they end up being. Just kind of go out there and play the game you know is already won for you. But for them and us, our Lord goes a step further still. Thank you. Wait here for now, Christ tells the apostles, for I will send you the Holy Spirit, God with you personally. Then together you can go out and really get the job done. That God is sending us the Holy Spirit to be with us to do a job that will come to pass one way or the other. I believe the term for that is overkill. That one day every knee will bow before God. That is a foregone conclusion. But the Spirit of God being with us to share the good news, guiding us as we need, that makes the sure thing surer still. But if God wants nothing more than for the world to see his outstretched hand, if God wants nothing more than to walk in the creation he loves, that the Holy Spirit is with us now, most certainly does that. Over the past, I think, 10 months now? Nine? Nine. From the beginning of our time looking at the Old Testament last fall, and then on to our series on Come and See with the rest of the EMC, what we have been talking about is also what we have sped through today. I hope with more detail. Over these past 10-ish months, we have learned the big story of what Scripture tells us, and we have learned who Christ is and what he has done for us, and we know that if only we believe that he is the Son of God and follow as he leads, we will be saved from lives of sin and death. We will grab hold to his hand outstretched for us. And so now, like the apostles, I hope we have been left in the same place as they are at the end of the passage today. With their eyes finally opened, left amazed, left wanting to bring this good news to the corners of the world, making disciples and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, as Matthew wonderfully puts it. All that is left in the story now is what comes next. From Luke's telling of the Great Commission, we already know how things are going to end. We already know that one day all the corners of creation will bow before the name of our loving Savior. We already know that one day 
those who are low will be raised up high. And we also know that we as the followers of God are already equipped to do our part in speeding that day. For we are equipped by the Holy Spirit of God with us. God, Jesus, they are with us to ensure that we can do what he has set for us to do. To have them reach out to the nations of the world through us so that finally things can be set right. Sin can finally be done away with. Creation can finally be restored. And the kingdom of God finally can come. All that is left for this to happen is for us to play the parts that we have to play. To, like Israel, show our God who is reaching out to the nations of the world. Which brings us to the assignment today. To live out what comes next in the story. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that we all have a part to play in building the coming kingdom of heaven that will see creation set right. Like how the different parts of a body all come together towards the whole. For some of us, that means that we have the joy of being the evangelist missionary, like the apostles are here, spreading the gospel message to people that we hardly know far and wide. And for others, it is living in the community around us, letting the love of our God flow through us, building relationships, lifting those brought low, and speaking of Christ and his glory as we do. And to do that best, I say we begin in the same place that Christ starts with his apostles before they are sent out in our passage today. By first going to the scriptures, expecting that as we do so, Christ through the Holy Spirit will open our eyes as well. And so as you come to scriptures over the week to come, I want you to pray for God to show you just who he is, to show you just what has been foretold about him, to show you what has come to pass, to show you what he has done. And as you come to the scriptures, I also want you to talk with others about what you have come across as well. All of the apostles are gathered before Jesus as he teaches them, after all. Start there. And if you do, as you then go on from there, living your life, I have no doubt that the foregone conclusion that will come to pass will make a little bit more sense than it did before. The bleakness that we have for the world around us and the future ahead of us will fade just a little and the glorious end will shine through. 
that is your assignment for this week. Live out the great commission in your life. Rededicate yourself to the God that we see in Jesus Christ, the God who never stopped reaching out, the God that we see revealed in Scripture. Spend time with your Bibles to learn about him. Spend time in prayer to learn about him. And in that, pray that the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to learn more about who this God who truly loves us is, who Jesus Christ truly and fully is. And then in the world around you, live those truths out. Share that good news that Scripture foretold will finally be fulfilled soon. Come and see who Jesus is. This has been what we have been attempting to do for the past 10 ish months now. Now let us live out the rest of our lives as people who, like the apostles, have finally done just that. Thank you, Pastor Russell, for that great sweeping summary and challenge. Um, The next song, the last song we'll sing is Take My Life and Let It Be, and we will be singing all six verses because each verse talks about a different different aspect of of life that we can um, give to the Lord. And so I invite you to stand, stretch those legs, kind of feel engaged in the song, and think about all of the different different lyrics that we'll sing together.
And for our benediction today, we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our wonderful God. Thank you.